Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the second hour is here for OutKick 360. We'll talk NFL headlines coming up. The headline, as we began the show, uh, involved AL.com and reporter Carol Robinson, who was in the courtroom today, where Alabama's freshman basketball standout Brandon Miller brought a gun used on the Tuscaloosa strip killing of a 23-year-old single mother that has capital murder charges behind it for uh, two others involved, including Miller's former teammate now, Darius uh, Miles and Michael Buzz Davis. Um, Carol Robinson joins us now on Outkick 360. Carol, thank you for the time. And what further details? Yes. What further details can you add for us behind what law enforcement told the judge today? It was a very lengthy um, hearing for what it was. It's a preliminary hearing, which is basically when the defendants, you know, hear the evidence against them for the first time, you know, in a public court. Uh, We had a detective testify for several hours just about the events that happened that night. And, you know, it all started with, according to prosecutors, uh, Miles, Miles' longtime friend, um, was kind of just trying to hit on a girl and was rebuffed. And, and there was some kind of quick escalation between her boyfriend and um, Michael Davis. You know, and it, it, then as we learned for the first time publicly, we had heard this in the past, um, that Brandon Miller had been there that night. And we learned today that Darius Miles had reached out to Brandon Miller and asked, him to bring him his gun and that would be Darius Miles' gun. And so Miller had dropped them off at a bar. He did not go in because the line was too long. Um, Came back and the two suspects got the gun out of Miller's backseat of his Dodge Charger. And a short time later, the shooting happened and you know, Miller's car was hit twice in the gunfire. And and that's, I guess, where I'm having a hard time. It, with what you heard today in the testimony, was this a, a shooting or a shootout? I guess what I'm asking is, if he's being fired, was he being fired upon as well? Was the victim in the case or the person in the car with the victim also firing at the ones who were ended up being charged with murder? According to testimony today and to court records, Michael Davis fired the first shots, and at that point, the victim or the you know the deceased victim's boyfriend fired back, and he struck Davis twice. But according to testimony and according to court records, Michael Davis fired the first shot. There's a lot, and I know it was talked about in the in the trial today. And Carol, thanks for joining us. By the way, having having been there. Um, I, you've covered, I'm assuming, 
criminal cases before in the state of Alabama. Is it surprising to yeah. you that Brandon Miller faces no charges given the gun laws in the state of Alabama in, in this case, based on what you heard today yes. about cars blocked in, handed the gun, everything else? I think it, what it comes down to is intent and knowledge. Um, that, and I'm no lawyer, so let me say that, and no expert. But the way I understand it is when Darius Miles asked for the gun, you know, wanted his gun and gave it to Michael Davis, he knew that, you know, things were about to go down. Brandon Miller had no knowledge of what was going on there at the time because he wasn't there when he was asked to come back. So he could have, you know, we don't know exactly what Darius Miles said to Brandon Miller about bringing the gun. He could have said, I'm in fear for my life, bring me the gun, or I want to show my gun to somebody, bring me the gun. So Brandon Miller had no knowledge of in, of intent that something was about to go down. Carol Robinson from AL.com with us on Outkick 360. Carol, so, so just for the, the details of this that you've mentioned, so Brandon was driving the car. He didn't go in to the bar. The gun was already in the car, correct? Is that... Am I following you there? You know, they did not say that. They did say if the gun was already in the car or okay. if he'd gone back to the apartment and got the gun. We, okay. That we don't know. Because I wonder if he gets the text that says, hey, come back, bring the gun. Uh, if the gun's already in the car, he's driving back to where he's just dropped off his friends. That's I, I, I'm curious on the timeline of that or if he actually had to go pick it up and bring it to the scene that uh, where you know we, we saw the... The, the, the murder charges take place. Right, and that is something that did not come out in court today. Carol Robinson has been our guest. Um, what is the schedule now moving forward? I know the judge is considering bond, but hasn't ruled on that yet? He has not ruled on bond, nor ha and today was a probable cause hearing, which means did the judge hear enough evidence against the two suspects present the case to a grand jury for indictment, which is the next step in the, the judicial process. So at this stage, the judge could say, um, y'all haven't convinced me that they did it, and she could just dismiss the case, at which point the prosecutors would probably take it to the grand jury anyway, which they can do. 99% um, of the time in a probable cause hearing ends with the judge forwarding it to the grand jury for indictment consideration. So she has not ruled whether to send the case on to the grand jury or whether they should get bond yet. Carol, thank you so much. We appreciate the detail there. You're welcome. Carol Robinson, AL.com. They've been all over the story, and uh, they continue to update the different and various reports uh, from the courtroom uh, as the live tweets were happening, what, around 1 o'clock local? Here is whenever everything came out, Chad. Yeah, it was right before we went on air, so um, maybe one fifteen or so Central Time. J just a crazy story all the way around, and now that Brandon Miller is involved, which shocked us when yeah. we saw that and shocked the college basketball world, um, I, I, I don't think this is something that's going away, regardless of if Nate Oates wants it to go away and questions right. not be asked. That this is not, this is not something that's that's. Now I say that, and honestly, we move on pretty fast in this country right now. The Darius Miles thing almost felt like ancient history by the time this report came out. When he was dismissed from the team and Alabama kept winning and got to number one in the country, yeah. 
Yeah. And now this happens, and you know maybe I guess Nate Oates is thinking it'll just go away too, and they'll just keep right on playing and winning. Chad, bet MGM. They are receiving a lot of the public money on Will Levis, not just to be drafted top 10, top 5, number one overall. Number one in this year's NFL draft, 22%, the highest ticket percentage of those bets placed on the number one overall pick, 22%, the money's on Will Levis. Is this your nightmare? Well, it's not my nightmare because it'll just, you know, knock out an NFL franchise if they draft Will Levis number one overall. That's the nightmare of the team that drafts him uh, with that spot if that happens. I think this is probably more of a the odds are long that he's the number one pick and third, people are yeah. trying to, well, he's a guy that we've read about that we think can, um, you know, rock it up in the combine and lead up to the draft. And by the time we get to draft day, it's it's safe money in that if it hits, I'm going to make a lot. And if it's not, like, who cares? It's like us, or me specifically, uh, betting on anyone but John Rahm this past weekend to win. Yeah. It's what we all do, right? You go and look at, okay, who's the long shot that has a chance that you can put a little bit of money on and win a good amount of money? That's what people are doing with Will Levis, I would think. I saw someone, I forget who it was, a draft analyst, that um, put out his, he had like 27 interceptions in his last two years, something like that, and like seven of them were off like tip passes by his own team. And they said, you know, here's seven of them and... I mean, look. Is that I, Mel Kuyper who did that? No, it should have been. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised he didn't uh, beat the guy to it. He put this together. Um, I get it. Like some of the videos, like, oh, a guy, you know, volleyball set it on a perfect pass to him into the air and it was picked off by someone else. Those things are, are going to happen. I can also point to a lot of other in- instances in games where he just makes terrible decisions and he throws bad interceptions at the worst time. You know, it's not just those seven that were, you know, unlucky, which they were, some of them for him. Um, like, I, I see the physical ability. Yeah, we're not saying he sucks. With Will Levis, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, he he's good raw material. But watch Bryce Young, watch C.J. Stroud, watch Hendon Hooker. Those guys are more than just raw material. Well, they have raw material and... They are quarterbacks. They are really good quarterbacks we are, that have instincts, that think the game through, that are just better than Will Levis right now. We are a week away from the start of the NFL Combine. And next week, he's going to win the Combine, Will Levis. Traits, you know, the measurements, height, weight, speed, whatever. And the cattle prodding that goes on now with Bryce Young, you know, how tall is he officially? C.J. Stroud, um, we get to see uh, that as well. And, you know, you start going up and down. The quarterback that's going to be talked about the most without much issue is going to be Will Levis. So be prepared for, I mean, if, you're a, if you want to place five bucks down, I think the odds will only uh, improve uh, in that in the, in the odds that he goes number one, not the opposite way, based on next week's results. It's going to be really hard for him to screw next week up. Yeah, and if you want to draft a quarterback just by raw material, then draft Anthony Richardson out of Florida. He's way more physically gifted than well, Will Levis. And he, he should be able to win himself some, some stars there too. I mean, right? the, guy right. is, the guy is basically Cam Newton from a physical standpoint in a lot of ways. I mean, that's... 
if you just want to go with, I can mold this guy into a great quarterback because physically he has everything, check, 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 you write a check to Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. Well, physically, like Cam Newton. And but, I'm not saying he should be drafted over Will Levis. Yeah, Again, I'm not, I'm not on the Will Levis sucks train as much as I'm on the Will Levis is way over hype train it, based on at I'm least on three that. other quarterbacks in college I've seen that are far better. Those three guys are Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Hinton Hooker. I think are just better than Will Levis, and they're better pro potential than Will Levis. But the guy's good. He's just not great. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. We've got John McClain coming up. We'll continue with the NFL discussion. We'll chat about the Combine next week. We will also dive into the franchise tag, which that you now have a two-week period if you're an NFL team to tag your franchise player. 25% of the teams, eight teams, used it last year. There are a number of solid players that could be tagged this year and not reach free agency. We'll ask John's opinion on that. Plus, coaching hires, movement around the NFL, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and what's the next domino after that? McLean with us next and now Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. NFL headlines with John McClain. He joins us Tuesdays at this time across the Outkick Network. John, um, how's Florida? I'm in West Palm Beach at the Astros spring training at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. And I'm glad I came before they started playing. I've never been. And uh, you can spend all your time hanging out on the fields with the players that can walk right up and stand next to them while they're warming up. You know, I told guys yesterday, I said, in the NFL, if you tried to stand this close to a player, you'd get tasered. And uh, here, though, it's so relaxed. They start playing Friday. Then you go back. We'll have been here 10 days. I write columns every day. We've been posting about 10 videos. All that's on gallerysports.com. And then I go home Friday. And then Monday, I go to Indianapolis with uh, for the combine be there for about six days and I think I'll be the envy of all my media buddies because I'll have a tan. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. John, you brought the combine a week from today is when it begins and it'll last through all of next week. We, we discussed Will Levis previous segment and to me, it's going to be very hard for him not to be the poster child of everything that's great about the combine. I think he's going to crush it there because we're all going to react to the size of uh, Bryce Young or what or what we don't see from the other QBs. And Will Levis is not going to have much to complain about in terms of traits. Uh, the combine is made for the underwear all-stars. And there'll be a lot to do that. Now, Will Levis may go to the Hall of Fame, but if you watched him at Kentucky, you'll know he's up and down. He threw too many interceptions. And it's amazing how the scouts never admit this, but the fact is 
They could care, couldn't care less about those college stats. They want to see them in their shorts and T-shirts, throwing against air. It's like I keep seeing every day something's posted on Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, how great he looks because he can throw the ball 70 yards uh, to a receiver. Well, Will Levis can do that. Well, Will Levis, he's listed at 6'3", I can't wait to see what he actually is because you guys know how they always shrink at the combine because the college has been lying about him. And the biggest one that everybody's questioning, of course, is Bryce Young because the Texans have overall big native franchise quarterback. I'll be focused on those top three quarterbacks, including C.J. Stroud, but Levis should put on a show. He should put on a show at his pro day. If he chooses to work out, then he's got private workouts. He's got a good personality. Uh, there's a website, the 33rd team, that's all former NFL players. I read it religiously. I'm sorry, scouts, coaches, former players. And so I like what they say. And they love Will Levis. They say he has all the tools. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, who I have great respect for, has him with. He has every tool you want. And so the key for Will Levis, go to a team where they can coach him. Because if he goes somewhere, he doesn't get good coaching. Everybody's going to blame it on him when they should blame it on the team. John, who is the player, uh, non-quarterback, that you feel like is the most intriguing as you head to Indy next week? Boy, there's a bunch of cornerbacks. It's a great draft for tight ends. And uh, some people don't think Michael Meyer from Mayer from uh, uh, Ohio State. No, I'm no, sorry. No, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame yeah. that he's not going to be the number one tight end taken. There's a couple others that are moving up. Mm. And they all have great athleticism. But, uh, you know, I'm focused. You know, B. John Robinson is going to blow people away with the way he runs and the way he catches the ball from the University of Texas. I got another guy, Rashawn Johnson, could have started for about every team in the country. He's available. So it's a, there's a lot of positions that have a lot of depth. And uh, those I'm looking at Texans' needs, which is almost everything, but I'm starting <laughs> with quarterback. John, over under, how many team visits Derek Carr is going to make? What would you set it at? I would say the over is five. And because every team, well, let's face it, three teams are going to be able to get quarterbacks that they want to start as rookies, if not the first game. Anthony Richardson, whoever gets him, he'll be sat for a, for a year. So I would say there's still some teams, including all four in the, in the NFC South, who need quarterbacks, but I'd put it five. I don't can't imagine he'd take more than five. Things would get so monotonous. That's what they got Zoom for. John, we know the Jets need a quarterback. Uh, we know the Jets met with Derek Carr. We also believe the Jets want to work out something for Aaron Rodgers. Does it feel like to you that Derek Carr is the backup plan right now for the Jets, or is this something viable that they may try to work something out before Aaron Rodgers comes out of his hole and mm -hmm. decides what he's going to do next? Kind of like if they've got to think about this, do they want to take on that $58 million base salary. What does that do to their cap? Who do they have to change? You're getting a great quarterback. They haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2010. He's been losing playoff games at home. It looks like he hasn't been working as hard as he used to. He's 39 years old. 
Now, if they get him, a lot of people are going to pick him to go to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't because he didn't go to the Super Bowl with the Packers when he had the best record in the NFC and home field advantage is since 2010. Carr is a good quarterback. He can make a difference, but he's got to have people around him. The Jets do. They got defense. They got a good running game. They got a pretty good offensive line. It needs to improve. So if you go for the goal for like this year and next year, you go for Rodgers, but knowing that you're getting a guy who's kind of become a fruitcake and a guy who is going to cost a lot of money and high picks. And if it doesn't work out the way you want, you're kind of strapped for those high picks. But I don't think anybody would blame them for going for the goal because Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And some concern is if he goes on Pat McAfee every week like he does, the New York media would crucify him, especially if he's taking shots at him like he's done so much to the media since he's been in Green Bay the last two or three years. I think, look, I completely disagree with that for this reason. I think the world is so small now. The whole New York media thing is so overblown. And Aaron Rodgers, I think John at this point, thrives on people talking trash about him in the media. He goes on Pat McAfee and wants to say the opposite of what everyone's thinking because he wants to rile people up at this point. Now, that may be a problem for a team also because he is going to say things to rile people up, but I don't – I don't think the New York part of it has any deal with it. Now, let me ask you this, though, about... Hang on a second, Chad. Like, yeah. When he, you got more members of the New York media than any team in the country, and when he's having to meet with them, the negativity of the questions and things, that's what I'm talking about, a constant barrage of negativity, if indeed he deserves it. You know, if he says something to Pat McAfee, then they're all going to come after him. And the day-to-day... Putting up with all that negativity, if indeed it doesn't work out the way the Jets want, that would wear down anybody, especially a young guy like Zach Wilson, and that's why he's no longer the starter. He couldn't handle it. Yeah, look, I will agree to disagree. I just don't think he cares. I don't think that'll bother him or be the reason he doesn't win in New York. I think the reason will be is that if he can play still or not. That's my biggest question. He's a year removed from back-to-back MVPs, John. Here's the question. We were talking with someone recently about this. If you're the Jets, talking about Carr or Rodgers, and the only goal is to win a Super Bowl with with this group that you have right now that's a good core around you, do you have a better shot at doing it with two years with Aaron Rodgers or four years with Derek Carr? With everything considered that you talked about, salary cap hit, every piece of it, what's the better opportunity to win a Super Bowl? If you're going for a Super Bowl in two years, you got to go for one of the greatest quarterbacks in history if you do indeed believe that he can help you reach your goal. you got to go with him because he is one of the greatest in history, and Derek Carr is not. John, after Rodgers and Carr, how significant is the drop-off to like a Garoppolo or another quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo played pretty well last year. He got hurt. If you take away the times he's got hurt, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good quarterback. But if you take him and you put all your eggs in the Garoppolo basket, and then he gets hurt again, you better have a good backup. And uh, so I certainly wouldn't give him a big contract. Anything I signed Jimmy G to would have a lot of it bonuses based on how many games he played. That would only be fair. But he's a good guy. He's a leader. He's tough. And he just gets hurt. And you can't have that at that position unless you're Kyle Shanahan. 
Yes, uh, exactly. John McClain with us, gallerysports.com, the website. Eric Bieniemy is now the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach in Washington. He's going to be running the show for the offense there. What does that mean for Eric Bieniemy, John? Well, he's never done it. And uh, Sean McCoy had a great story that's all over the country. When he played there, Andy Reid ran everything. He says, everybody knows that. Well, no, I can't say that because I see his people all the time acting like Bieniemy calls plays. He doesn't. And he pointed that out. He said he's not there in there making corrections. It's all Andy Reid, which is what people expect. Now he's going to Washington. He's got a great defense. He's got a really good running game, but he doesn't have a quarterback unless Sam Howell turns out to be a great, what was he, a fifth-round pick? Yes. So we'll see. Eric Bieniemy has done a lot of interviews, and he didn't get a head coaching job. I don't think it was because of his record. I think it was because people – were leery because they knew Andy Reid did most of it. So hopefully it'll work out for him and he won't be looking for another job in a couple of years because they got a good thing going on in Washington right now, despite Dan Snyder. And if he sells that team and new owners take over and Ron Rivera doesn't win, they're going to want their own guy in there, which means they also may want their offense, own offense coordinator. John, what do you think about the Rex Ryan possibility in Denver and just overall what Sean Payton is doing with that staff? Well, I love Rex Ryan. He lives in Nashville, of course. He's a, He was always a great quote. I still think the best hard knocks were when he was the head coach at Chats. And Rex was a hell of a defensive coordinator when he was at Baltimore and they won a Super Bowl. He helped him get his first head coaching job. He's a humongous personality, as everybody knows. And Sean Payton wants somebody on that side of the ball where he doesn't have to mess with it. So I think Rex would be a terrific hire. John, so looking around at the the five hires that were made, we ranked ours, and we counted them down five to one. Chad put D'Amico Ryan's number one as the top hire. I saw it. Hey, I cited John McClain, too, for one of the reasons I put that in yeah. there, because of Denver's desire to have D'Amico Ryan's also. What did you make of it, and do you agree with him? Uh, no, I agree. I think Sean Payton was the number one hire because <laughs> he's John. a Super Bowl <laughs> winning coach. But D'Amico Ryan's and everybody else, he was the hot property. Everybody in the league wanted him. He told his agent, Jimmy Sexton, I don't, don't line me up with Carolina. And he used the preparation for the Cowboy game to get out of doing interviews with Indianapolis and Arizona. And he'd interviewed with Denver before. Houston, once he interviewed with Houston, he didn't want to go anywhere else, and the Texans didn't want anybody else. It's kind of a marriage made in heaven, and people are so happy. And spring training where I am, there's a lot of members of the media from Houston, state of Texas, a lot of national guys have come in. Buster Olney, one of my favorite baseball writers who graduated from Vanderbilt, worked here at the Tennessee and for eight years, we're talking baseball and football in the Texans. So a lot of people are talking about the Texans because of Ryan's. So I would put him number two. And John, when you look at, and look, I, I, I agree. Everyone's going to have Sean Payton one other than me. But hear me out on this. If you factor in that Sean Payton was given so much power in Denver, I'm sure that was part of the deal. They had to trade for him. Uh, I feel like unless you're Bill Belichick, and you've had all that success with Tom Brady and haven't had that same success without him, by the way. Most of the most successful situations in the NFL are strong ownership, 
a strong GM, strong head coach, and not a coach with all the power. And that's really what you're going to start to have a lot of, I think, in Denver with a personality like Sean Payton. So given the comparison between the two, not that you think that D'Amico Ryan's is the better hire, but how do you compare and contrast those two situations with what Ryan's is going to get with Casario and ownership in Houston versus what Sean Payton's going to get with the richest owners in the NFL, but also one where he's going to be calling all the shots? It'll be the way it was in New Orleans, and George Payton, the GM, will be like a personnel guy, which is what he was for years in Minnesota until he took that job. And I think the main reason they hired Peyton goes back to he thinks he can fix Russell Wilson. Whatever they were doing with Wilson under Nathaniel Hackett, he said early in the season on Fox it was wrong. You know, that's not what they needed. That's the first time people started saying, sounds like he wants to come back and coach Russell Wilson. Well, now he has that opportunity. But tell you what, they've given up a lot of capital to get him. And uh, and Russell Wilson. So they, you know, I don't know if they compete for wild card this year. It's going to be hard to build without those high picks, which the Texans have found out because Bill O'Brien traded two ones and a two in back-to-back years. But he is, he every great coach had a great quarterback other than Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three quarterbacks. Nobody else has done that. But most of them got to have that because if Russell Wilson's not good, Sean Payne's reputation could take a beating. John, did you see the the report that the Eagles offered more to try to keep Jonathan Gannon than what the Cardinals are paying him to be their head coach? And Gannon said that, and I'm thinking the Cardinals must not be paying four or five million dollars, which is what the going rate is. It must be less. But Gannon said. He wants to be head coach, so he took it. And I think that's kind of cool. I think it's very cool, too, if Jeff Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, thinking so much of him that he offered to do that. But you can't ever blame a guy for turning down a chance to fulfill his dream. And Gannon interviewed Houston two times two years ago. One time this year, they were very, very impressed. So as long as people in Arizona are not expecting to turn around overnight, maybe he can get through to a Kyler Murray, which uh, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't, you know, he's, he's got a chance to be successful there. He made the comment too, but, but speaking of Murray, that that's the top reason he took the job. He wanted to coach Kyler Murray. Uh, of course, he wants to be a head coach. <laughs> he wants to be a head coach. Um, but also uh, something about putting Murray under center more often and not in shotgun. I, I thought the whole reason why you draft Kyler Murray is to use his athletic ability out of the gun. If Kyler Murray's taking snaps under center, you're not going to see him. Maybe that's <laughs> the idea. No defensive player can yeah. see him because he's so small. And uh, that would kind of negate the quickness and speed he has to maneuver because he's going to have people right on top of it. But he can say anything like that right now. Sure. Maybe that's the way it'll be. He's not going to have Murray right off the bat because he's still recovering from the knee surgery. Kyler Murray's not problem. is not playing his preparation, and maybe he can get through to it. John, that's what I want to ask you about. In all your years covering the league, can you remember a quarterback that overcame the knock that they didn't work hard or they didn't prepare well? The only one that I'm thinking about right now is maybe Brett Favre, 
but I don't know if it was about his preparation or work. At the time, he was overweight at one point early in his career with the Falcons and got in shape with the Packers, but I'm trying to think if there's even an example of someone that once you get that knock of they don't prepare the way a quarterback should prepare or work the way a quarterback should work that was able to go on to do great things. Can you think of one? No. And uh, the worst I've ever seen was Johnny Manziel. When Johnny Manziel was at Cleveland, I think he turned on his laptop when he was drafted and when he turned it in. And, uh, you know, if those guys don't study – Unless he's and playing Call of Duty, <laughs> yeah. If they're if they're pl- if they're playing video games, so I'm supposed to be looking at the game plan. That's not good. You can't make them. And hopefully, Kyler Murray will kind of have a new lease on life after blowing out his knee and getting a new head coach. And uh, the because that would certainly be good for the Cardinals. But remember, he wouldn't have been the number one overall pick if Cliff Kingsbury hadn't been hired from USC as the Cardinals head coach. He's the one that that uh, knew him well, had gone against him, and thought he could turn him into a big-time NFL quarterback. Franchise tag uh, availability is is now open until March the 7th. The no-brainer tag that's coming is Lamar Jackson. Todd Munkin, though, says he hasn't talked with Jackson since he's been hired as OC. I don't know if that's a big surprise, given that Jackson can you know go quiet at times and can be hard to get in touch with. What do you make of that and... Ultimately, what do you think we're headed for with the Ravens and Jackson this this offseason? If Lamar Jackson insists on getting fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson, he'll be playing on a franchise check tag there two years, and then he'll be unrestricted the third year because nobody quarterback money right now might be $70 million a year. And so he can't go anywhere. What I don't understand, and I understand ego. And Lamar Jackson has been a great quarterback. He's a great teammate. Everybody there likes him. Me and John Arbaugh have a really good relationship. But if you could get $175 million guaranteed instead of two thirty, million, wouldn't that take pretty good care of you and your family and your family's family and your kids' kids and your grandkids and great-grandkids? Egos shouldn't figure into it. It should be what's good for you. And he doesn't have an agent. And I think that's working against him. And uh, I hope they re-sign him. But, you know, they're thinking, okay, he's been hurt the last two years. He's won one playoff game. And are we going to commit that kind of money to any player? I don't see him doing it. If they were going to do it, they would have already done it. Do you think there will be a point where they have to decide whether or not, hey, we're just not going to get this guy under a a contract. We're not going to be able to agree to this. Do you see Lamar Jackson playing somewhere else in the near future, within the tag restriction years, the next two seasons? I think this, Jonathan, if and if he gets hurt again this season, three years in a row, then instead of sticking him with the tag a second year, even though that it's manageable, I could see them trying to trade him. But who else is going to give him that kind of money after three consecutive injured? Seasons. Yeah, the injury. Nobody. Yeah, the injury plays a big factor in all that in that scenario. And it does. If he'd have been healthy the whole time, maybe. But they know things about him nobody else knows, and they don't want to set a precedent uh, like the Browns did. The highest cap figure in NFL history for the next mm-hmm. four years is going to be Deshaun Watson's fifty-six million dollars. Other players are going to have to suffer financially because of that contract. 
And there's never been a cap hit that's exceeded $39 million, And his is going to be 55-plus over. And t- yeah, you're right, through 2026. It's every year the same exact amount. Um, and before- I think they may, excuse me, John, yeah. but I think they may, re- they would redo that. If he, if he plays well this year yeah. and they're threatening the playoffs or get back in the playoffs, I could see them wanting to extend him. He's got to make sure he's down in trouble. He has things from the league that guarantee counseling. And if he wants a massage, he's got to get it from the club. And uh, if he adheres to those, then I could see them redoing his contract and lowering that cap figure because that's a killer. It's brutal. John, give us an idea of what's coming to Gallery Sports from the Combine next week. I have a column right now on uh, Astro Slugger Yardon Alvarez and it's Sore hand. I've got one of Robert Valdez, who is replacing Justin Verlander as their ace. I've got him on Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. If you're a baseball fan, Florida and Arizona are in heaven. And from my radio station website, I'm at sportsradio610.com. I'm be writing about the combine and previewing Texans. So check them out because both of them, gallerysports.com, is free, 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 as Mattress Mac likes to say. Chad, have you been to spring training? I have. I went to a uh, Marlins-Cardinals spring training game probably 2003. Hmm. I had a buddy uh, whose dad lived in Jupiter, Florida, and that's where their oh, spring perfect. training was. And it was it's very cool. And, John, I mean, you, you know this now. You're, 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 gonna be, you're seeing it, but it's so informal. Like, you feel like you could walk on the field at spring training oh. when they're warming up. Like, you just walk right up to guys – Chatting, stretching, getting loose before a game. It's everything's right there. It's great. It's like a access. golf course almost. Yeah, very much so. I, I took two pictures yesterday and where Robert Valdez is doing a bullpen session and I was standing on the fence like this. Had I wanted to reach out and grab him, I could have. Of course I didn't. Mm-hmm. But being able to be close to ball players when they're actually working is a whole lot different than if you're in the locker room waiting for them to get out of the shower so you can interview them. And kids love it. Like, kids will line up, and they, they get everything signed they want. I mean, there's not many there. So you just line up on the fence, and guys will go over and sign things for kids all day long, which is really cool. There's a 71-year-old rookie here, and he's not getting autographs, but he feels like a kid, and that would be me. There you go. Enjoy it, John. Uh, love having Thank you on. you, guys. We appreciate it. There's John McClain. You can follow him on social at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. So we mentioned Lamar Jackson as the potential uh, no-brainer tag, right? There are some other players that are really interesting, especially with how the league is going to view the crop of rookie running backs versus two guys in particular that have put up some big numbers in a prove-it type year for teams that probably wish they had the opportunity to get them under contract long-term, may have to tag them, or... They'll have to move on and go through the draft. We'll discuss that. Plus, uh, uh, a grim decision, Chad, when it comes to a potential or a, a, a casket decision. This story would make me want to pull my loved one out of a casket if I saw them lowered in this casket. Okay. Uh, my mind is racing. <laughs> that's, that, that's the tease. That's it. That's the tease. This is Outkick 360.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'll kick 360. Rolling on. Coming up, we've got Dane Bradshaw. He'll join us in hour number three. Talk some SEC hoops. Hutton, how about this breaking news? Yeah. From Andrew Marshan. Something I said a week ago has come true. Okay. okay. News. Apple TV Plus has emerged as a potential landing spot for the Pac-12 in their negotiations. And it's... I said Apple or Amazon are the only two with enough money that could get them anywhere close to where they want to go. And it's based on the Disney My question would be, is it really a good return on investment for Apple TV Plus or Amazon? But then I see what these streaming services spend, and I'm thinking, I don't even know if they care about making a profit. (laughs) I mean, most of them spend so much. They haven't made money yet. I mean, they're just throwing money at yeah. projects left and right. And that's so, what Disney was doing with sports acquisition. Yeah. And recently, we I think we discussed this yeah, last Disney Friday. The Disney CEO said, we got to be very selective about what we buy now. Which is NFL and sports. SEC. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, for yeah, the I think their rights. tennis coverage is going to go away. I mean, I think a lot of things they spend. You know, it's not just... Think about all the different properties that you yeah. know, Disney, ABC, ESPN owns. And they're going to get selective about that. I think with what Apple's doing with MLS, with what they're doing with baseball, we talked about it with MLB also. If these regional cable companies go away, could an Apple or Amazon start spending money on individual MLB teams to carry all their games? Yeah. So if let's they got the Dodgers, let's say, or the Cardinals, or whatever it may be, and every Cardinals or Dodgers game was on there for a select package for monthly subscription to Cardinals and yeah. Dodgers fans, I think that could be profitable depending on what the price tag is. So maybe that's the direction these things go. But again, the story from Andrew Marchand at the uh, Marchand, Marchand, Marchand. I say Marchand. Marchand, we'll go with yours. <laughs> at the New York Post is that Apple has emerged as a potential landing spot for Pac-12. I wonder... Give the thumbs up, by the way. It is Marchand. It is Marchand, good. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. I was happen going with the French pronunciation. With the- <laughs> Sorry. I'm way too evolved for you guys. It's Marchand in French, okay? It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, say it. Say it the way you want to say it. It's, it's Marchand. Um, I'm intrigued by Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley in what the two franchises do with the franchise tag option because they had the option to pick up the fifth year on Josh Jacobs and didn't. Tag for a running back now is a little, just a tad over $10 million. Do you go the rookie route or do you go with the back who performed extremely well in Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels? And then on the flip side, we saw a a career high in rushing yards for Saquon Barkley, who was a big part of that offense, and he was healthy. It's a risk, but it may be the best risk slash reward you can have unless you're going to extend long-term is to take the $10 million and slap it on the franchise tag for the running back spot, especially for those two teams, and then see what happens moving forward for the quarterback spot and elsewhere. Daniel Jones is going to get paid. 
Um, upwards of what forty million dollars per season was the expected report that was all out he there wants over the weekend. Forty-five million—that's what the report is from his. He just recently uh, switched to Athletes First, yeah, from his agency, yeah. and he wants forty-five million. Don't know that he's going to get that, but that's what they're seeking. I I tag Saquon and work out a long-term extension with with Daniel Jones personally. You got, you got- da- Daniel Jones is more important. All right, this, this well, oftentimes become the debate of when you have a great running back, who's more important to your offense, this great running back or this above-average good quarterback? And I will argue every time the above-average yeah. good quarterback, if he's right for your franchise, is more important than a great running back. So lock up Daniel Jones long-term, I'm with you. Franchise Saquon Barkley. The two together, it's important. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of those two playing together in the same backfield. But quarterback always more important. Wait, from the Giants' perspective, do you want to allocate that money in the backfield or allocate it somewhere else and allow more weapons around your quarterback and go get a running back in the draft? The same with the Jets did, where they hit on Brees Hall. And you have one of the, the top rookies who ended up getting hurt with the what, Achilles injury. Yeah. But crazy. There's, too, there's too many examples, Hutton, of teams that find really good running back options mid to late rounds of a draft. Or it can pick someone up and they're productive. You don't have as many stories with quarterback in the NFL. Chad, there's a, a grandmother named Mary Esther Stocks Martin Gailey who was buried in a casket of the blue M&M. Got a picture of it. Um, I'll quickly chime in. This is a horrific idea. Yeah. This is uh, disrespecting this lady's life by doing this. I don't care how much she liked M&M's. <laughs> Don't do and it. And the family's dressed as M&M's. Yeah, if, if I you know, have dementia, lose my mind in any way, and I say I want to be an M&M yeah. when I die, I want my family to not honor that wish. We I talk, say that now. Publicly. Aaron Rodgers at the Packers with Ryan Wood next. <laughs>